Today's show is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CuffLinks.com. Head over to CuffLinks.com this holiday season and you will find amazing gifts for everyone in the family. They got socks, ties, belts, CuffLinks, of course, and a host of other stuff that you're just going to love. It's going to make you look good when you step out in the morning and they've always got codes for you to save. Use code ELVES. Elves, baby, just like Santa, and get free three-day shipping on any order over $100 plus 15% off. What? 15% off $100 plus plus free three-day shipping. It's a holiday bonanza at cufflinks.com, and that's from December 4th to the 18th. Go out and use that code ELVES. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use that code. Support our sponsor. Thank you, Cufflinks. We love you. Happy holidays. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Watchmen. My name is Axel and my co-host today and every Wednesday, actually... He'll be my co-host next Wednesday with Roberto, too, for the finale. All three of us will be together. But today we'll be giving you our theories and analysis on Watchmen Season 1, Episode 8, entitled A God Walks Into a Bar, directed by Nicole Castle and written by Damon Lindelof and Jeff Jensen. You can send us your feedback to dvrpodcast at gmail.com. Do that. This week's show with Roberto is the last before the finale. We'd love to have your feedback fees back <laughs> and uh i already got some great feedback by the way from jelly donut she wrote in that's right jelly donuts a she uh i mistakenly thought it was thaxton but it's actually not it's a it's a female that wrote an email oh look at a female that email uh, oh, no. can, oh, sorry, Aaron. I know. <laughs> uh, but get your feedback in. Uh, check out DVRpodcast.com, too. Um, I know a lot of you may wonder, do you guys host other podcasts? We host a ton. Podcasts, Winterfell, Game of Thrones, Westworld, Theorycast, Mindhunter, Veronica Mars, Bachelor in Parrot. I do so many podcasts with so many great people. Go over to our website, DVRpodcast.com, and check it out. I want to thank everyone. We did it. You did it. I set a goal of 50 reviews. I texted Aaron and Roberto, I think, this morning or yesterday saying, we made 50. We made it. And now, guess what? We're at 55 already, just today. Um, So thank you, everyone. Yeah, That's awesome. We really appreciate it. It does help. It really does help. And we appreciate you doing that and taking the time to do that. Uh, I'm not sure exactly who 50 was. Um, The last person to write a written review was Kim. So thank you, Kim. And also now there's going to be two winners announced next Wednesday in our cufflinks.com Disney Star Wars Marvel giveaway. So two people are going to win. I'm going to pull from any two people who emailed us during the season. Also, join the Patreon. I set a goal of 30 and we're at 29. Tay, John, Elena, Giuseppe, and Kim have joined us this season of Watchmen. I hope they stick around. And why don't you come and join us? Just uh, yesterday, I released a great old drunk uh, Heath solo on the film list, spinning the wheels of steel. All right, that's enough of the promotional material. (laughs) Now let's get to the podcast. Hey, Hustler, how you doing? I'm good, man. And you? 
Um, I'm recovering a little bit. Had a little uh, little stomach flu type thing over the weekend, but I, I got through it. I am uh, I've reconstituted myself like Doctor Manhattan did in the comics, but not so at the end of this episode. <laughs> okay, on that sad ass <laughs> note. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, I might as well just get into it. I mean. For me, it was um, it was a very bittersweet story. Uh, it was amazing, just as a standalone episode. It would have been worked for me as a little short movie or something. Um, you know, I guess my takeaways for, from this were we didn't get to see the ten years of relationship or the tunnel of love between uh, Cal and Angela. I mean, we only got to see them going into it and come out of it, right? Yeah. So, um, but. It was beautiful the way that it was, the story was told. I mean, it was just the way that it was flipping around. It just, uh, from the past, the, uh, the present, the past and future, what was the past, present and future? Just like, you know what I mean? We we're just watching the story. Just that, that is the story. Time is the story, right? It's all about the past, present and future. It's not just the current what's going on in the moment. It's we've been connected to various points throughout the show to everything. Uh, since the beginning of the Watchmen, since the Hooded Justice um, became Hooded Justice, yeah. So I, I it was just, um, it was just a, it was a remarkable achievement. Yeah. Um, from the direction of, is it what's it, Nicole? Nicole Castle. Yep. Yes, that's right. And then um, obviously David Mendeloff, and it was a continuation of the comic. Um, it felt very genuine uh, and completely in line with the comic. Um, and again, I just can't stress enough how amazing it was to see this love relationship between Angela and Dr. Manhattan. And I feel like he loved Lori in the comic. Um, uh, and he cared deeply for her and his wife, but that he didn't, it wasn't the same thing. It was never the same thing. This is, this was like Angela is the love of his life or as he is, as Dr. Manhattan, because it was, that moment was like really touching. Um, like when he said, this is the moment, you know, when he, right before he dies and it was just one of the most beautiful things I've seen on television and just that, you know, it's just so genuine and it's just the way, like the events were happening toward the end of that episode. Um, very like, um, kind of rapidly, but Dr. Manhattan, it was almost like he had slowed down. He was just like going through the motions, but his focus was on just being with Angela as Dr. Manhattan, you know what I mean? He was just like, she's like, Oh, we can do this. We can do this. And he's like, yeah, I just want to look at you basically, you know, and that's the feeling that I got when I rewatched it. Um, so the fact that she was willing to sacrifice everything for him, um, through all the pain and suffering that had been inflicted upon her really kind of because of Dr. Manhattan indirectly as well. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just an amazing, like that was, it, it felt real, you know? I couldn't agree with you more. Um, on the initial reaction, I compared it to, you know, like Nora and Kevin, Desmond and Penny. Those definitely had a longer gestation. gestation. I'm having problems mm-hmm. pronouncing things today. Uh, but I felt it in this. And, you know, I've really become obsessed with the kind of comic book-like nods and structure um just like the way that they tell you something's going to happen and it happens and these characters speak 
they, they, this conversation at the bar was such, there was so much chemistry between them, you know, and it was so palatable. You could just feel it that she was having a good time talking to him. He was all obviously, once you understand that that's Dr. Manhattan, you know, he's already experienced their whole relationship. So, you know, he already loves her, you know, and you can feel that too. Um, but yeah, man, Regina King just sold it. And also the actor who played Dr. Manhattan slash Cal, Mm -hmm. uh, he totally sold it. It was, you're right. It was a beautiful and remarkable hour of TV and it was a love story, man. And Damon loves love stories. You know, he knows how to do it and, and, and interdimensional Dr. Manhattan is a guy who he's like the man who loves women. You know what I mean? Like the cosmos and the universe is nothing to him, uh, when it comes to a woman that can love him. That's, I think that's like, we see that origin story and it's like, that's the basis of his love. I thought it was just, uh, overall too. rewatching it. I was just really kind of, damn, you know, I thought that uh-huh. they kind of did the Dr. Manhattan origin story with Angela and they kind of did. And then they yeah. up and did it again, you know? And like you said, this episode continues his story after the comic through the current timeline. It's like basically kind of like a new origin story for Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. It's cow Hatton, right? Yeah. It's become something completely different. Yep. Um, you want to talk a little bit about the first thing you had in the notes who just like things about time and how Dr. Manhattan's conversation with Angela and will, how that kind of might affect the story. What do you think? Did she start all of it? Um, I think Dr. Manhattan did, but he was the vessel and I don't like, it's, it's unclear to me when Dr. Manhattan knows certain things, you know what I mean? But he was clearly the conduit for some of the action to take place, but the white knight did happen. So regardless, I I don't know. It's, it's kind of confusing. It is hard to, you know, like really narrow down, but, um, I definitely think that Dr. Manhattan's responsible for this, but yeah, it is Angela. Angela's the one that created this idea, right? But he allows this to happen. And it's interesting how Dr. Manhattan allows certain things and certain information to be given to, to Angela and others at different times. And when he deems that he can't do that, you know, it's very, I mean, is it just based on rules of time? Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, he doesn't like... Yeah, there's, there's right, some there's free will there. Exactly, dude. It's not like in um, uh, The Flash, where he all, he always has these, like, kind of time... There's, like, this society of time people who who kind of explain his powers to him. And there's no one doing that for Dr. Manhattan. So it it really does bring up that idea that he is the ultimate, like he talks about, you have in the notes, the chicken and the egg, which came mm-hmm. first. And Dr. Manhattan says the answer appears to be both at exactly the same time. And I feel like for him, that's kind of like he's in that constant state. I feel like maybe the reason why, 
I was starting to think about this. Like the reason why he doesn't have any free will or the reason why sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he doesn't is because it's like, it's entirely based upon his focus, right? Mm -hmm. If, If he's focusing on what's happening, he can exert some kind of power over it. He can choose to go visit Vite and go to, and, but then other times it's like a, a feeling or an awareness comes over him that, oh, wait, he's like kind of trapped in it again. You know, he's just fought, he's just paint by numbers. And I think yeah. that they didn't really have time to examine a lot of how Angela got over her hatred for Dr. Manhattan. Right. Like you're saying, we missed the 10 years. We only saw like six months later and then 10 years later. Um, So I'm interested, you know, he said that he felt bad about what happened in Vietnam, that he regrets that, but then how can he regret something? Because he had to do it in his mind, right? So it is very tricky. And I think in the end, it just has to do with the moment. Like in a moment, he can make a decision, but also he can't. Yeah. He's forever caught in that same predicament. Yeah, it's weird. And then he can exist in in different places at once too, at the same moment, right? And that's I the mean, question of where his focus is, right? Where, where, yeah. where is he somewhere? And that part of him is just doing what it should, you know, what part of him is the, is he focusing on? And I yeah. think that that's, um, you know, I think uh, Daniel mentioned it in the, uh, in the initial reaction. It's a very Buddhist like idea that time really, and what exists only is the moment. That is all that exists. And to ask a question like a chicken or an egg sounds like a Zen Cohen or like a, um, a kind of puzzle, a, a, a mind puzzle. Great philosopher. You know, the, sand, yeah. the, the sound of one hand clapping is an example of what is the sound of one hand clapping, you know? Um, these kind of sayings that when thinking upon them and kind of accepting contradiction, it opens your mind and frees you from attachment. And Dr. Manhattan is forever free of attachment, and yet he's always attached. That's right. He is Schrodinger's cat, right? He exists always at the same time. And yet he's also the observer at the, you know, he's both. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I (laughs) feel like. Schrodinger and the cat. Yeah, so I I do feel, and I don't want to like necessarily jump, but I do. I want to jump into that everything, all the events that have been set up are geared toward there's a purpose and that he's okay with. I mean, if, Mm, if he saw like, here's the thing. So he might not know exactly what happens when he dies or gets captured. Maybe that ends. But to me, it seems like he must have some kind of idea of what's going to happen or what's possible anyway, that he can help set those events in motion. And the, you know, with Hooded Justice, Lady True and Angela, all of them together, probably in one way or another, are going to be responsible for maybe not just 
stopping the seventh cavalry, but literally changing the world. I and I, I would a, you know it would be nice that you mean in a positive way. Yes. When Vite asked him, "Will I ever live my utopia, John?" and he he said, um, "Yes, but not here." Right? He might be so, dead. He might. He might die, though. Yeah, or he might already and it dead. also begs the question of what is Vite's utopia. But that's another thing. That's another. Yeah, thing. that's right. Um, and we're not talking about utopia necessarily, but more like um, just people dealing with their I, stuff. I, I don't know. I I see what you're saying because it once he recovered and was st- after he was standing in the kitchen and it's like when he went back out to the pool, right? Yeah. And he was talking to Angela, that's when he seemed to kind of recover and like stabilize, right? Cuz mm-hmm. he said before when he was standing in the kitchen he was like, "I'm sorry, I'm having trouble" understanding who I am right now, you know, like yeah, when, when Angelo was in the window, I think, and he was with the kids. I think that's when he realized, Oh, okay. That's it gets good. Cause he, he took them away and that's, that's there with hooded justice good at job. that point, right at the theater. Good job. Good job. Um, but yet that seemed to be something that he had already decided with will. Yes, exactly. That was my point. It was like, he realized he had to do it right, right at that point. So is that, I still think that there's more of a conversation with Will that we didn't oh, see. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that there's has a plan. Been, yeah. That, I agree with you. I think that there is an overall plan here. And it seems also that maybe even letting himself die or be, because what he said is they're going to. Uh-huh. teleport me against my will and dematerialize me. Yep. So what we saw was him being dematerialized uh, being yes. teleported, not dematerialized because dematerialized would mean dead. Teleported means so. moved. You would think so, but the way that his body looked when you know when I looked at watched that the second time, it looked like he was being dematerialized. I know it kind of did too. You're right, but I'm I'm just I'm just trying to think that yeah, I'm, I'm listening that's to why everything nothing they survive through that cannon. Remember, nothing like the squids and all that, like none of that stuff could survive. So I think that's mm, that's probably. interesting. I don't know. I'm just trying to go on. Like, just like when, and we'll talk about it later, when Vite says to him, you know, you'll wake up in a moment of, um, you know, to, of self-protection, and then that happens. So they're going yeah. by very comic book rules here. When somebody says something, they're telling you what's going to happen. Yep. And he did specifically say, teleport me against my will and then dematerialize me. Okay, good. So okay. I have a feeling that, that was not his death and we might get a shot or a scene with him talking to Keen or Laurie gets to see Laurie again. Yeah. I think That'd be fun, happen. right? Yeah. Cause then Laurie will look at him and be like, Cal doctor. What? And, and, or she'll be like figures, you know, like mm-hmm. I, so I could imagine very... Laurie's. That could be fun. Yeah. So we have, we have PD, we have, um, Angela and we have Looking Glass and we have Put a Justice and Lady True. Like we don't know where Lady True stands or 
you know, what about Ozymandias as well? Those were all the players besides the seventh cavalry, right? The ones that are remaining. So put it just as being with the kids, you would almost think that he's out of it. You know what I mean? Like his role is more because he's old too. Right. So I almost feel like that lady true was more of, uh, what Will was going to do. Yeah. She is working with her. She is the source of action in that relationship. Yes. I agree. Um, but it's very unclear to me what her true motivations are because I've seen both sides and I feel like she's more shady than she's like going to be good because her motivations and almost, I am going to save the fucking world and this and that, you know, like with her ego and, you know, she also showed a little bit of anger, uh, towards Dr. Manhattan at one point, or at least I felt that way. That could have been calculated on her part. Um, but so she, to me, she is a key to all of this. I mean, it's pretty clear that she is, but like, what does that clock do? What is it going to do and why? I mean, it obviously she came there after Will, she probably came there after Will talked to her as my guess, or Dr. Manhattan knew she would be there and will talk to her, but there's some, just, I, I don't know. I would think that it would be, will talk to her first. I don't because picking Tulsa for her thing doesn't make much sense. Otherwise, that's what it seems like. And that's what she's told us, right? Your, she said, your grandfather came to me because he had the new, I had the means to help him stop the seventh Calvary. Yeah. So the information that will would have had is Judd Cyclops, Tulsa. Um, yeah. What was, uh, what else did, what else did she let? Go. She asked about Judd and all that. <clears throat> I think that was about it. I don't know if she mentioned yeah. the Millennium Clock. I don't think so. No, I, I didn't hear that. That wasn't nope. part of the conversation. Nope. Not so, you know, that's that's enough information. Yeah, and she could be just taking advantage of the situation, too. Maybe that she does... She may be doing a good thing for humanity. Who knows? So, I mean, through yeah, her ego, she's fight like though, right? These, yeah, you know, exactly. Like when he, what is she actually doing? She's going to save everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she's going to stop the seven cavalry. Yeah. You know, she's got the answer and it's, it's her money and her power. But does she want to eat the egg? Mm, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll talk about the egg, baby. Yeah. Yeah. We um, will. Let's we talk that. a little bit about, the Dr. Manhattan backstory. Yeah. Um, so, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So he was a German, uh, Jewish immigrant. Um, and he, I guess we find out about his, uh, the tragic story of his mother leaving his Jewish father for a Nazi officer in the SS, which, uh, during, you know, Nazi Germany, which that's just about as bad as it gets, you know, he's part Jewish and his mother goes to that. So it doesn't, that's, that's pretty bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he does that and then he emigrates to America and it's before he, he emigrates to America. Isn't that right? Isn't it like in England or something where the manor is? Yes. Um, yeah. That's yeah. kind of how okay. he, the, the kind of, um, in between layover spot that allows him to get out of Germany and to America. He took refuge there. And um, that whole uh, that whole wow. scene was, I was crazy. Yeah, what did you think about that? I talked a little bit about how I was surprised it was 
it was an interesting way. Um, you know, Damon always has a good way. And I know Jeff Jensen is a Christian because I've read up on him and I try to read up okay. on some of these people. Um, and be, I know this because his wife passed away. I believe his wife or his partner passed away. And um, he had written about this. And I found a uh, something he had wrote about grief and how his faith had helped him through the, his grief. Um, and I think that it's interesting that he and Damon chose to when they show the kid the Bible, they don't say, you know, sex is bad. You know what I mean? Like you might traditionally mm-hmm. think, of course, mm-hmm. on like an HBO yeah, Game of Thrones yeah. show. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. they yeah. instead it was create something beautiful. Yes. Yes. And it was their their purpose to, you know, to make a life. And because they had, you know, been through some tragedy themselves. Mm. Um, I thought that they were uh, just, um, they were amazing. Like they were like very positive people. And I, I liked how they described when they gave the Bible to John. And they said, it's just stories. You know, they didn't say, oh yeah, God is this and God is that. I didn't really hear them say much about God at all you know, which was pretty cool. And I mean, they did, you know, obviously God said, this is whatever, whatever they said, but it wasn't to me, it was more like it's a bunch of stories. And I think John obviously took that deeper when he created his world and he was God and he made, I mean, the great thing was that he used his, his memories and his childhood and reading the Bible and the stories in it, even though he was Jewish, which mind you is, you know, interesting um that he uh chose these stories to create his world right and well he created a, an image from those stories which is it's very different his world is very different i just thought uh yeah it was very interesting that he chose them to be adam and eve and their likeness to be adam and eve I just, it was yeah was it was cool. it was really it was kind of beautiful and it, it and was. it was emotional it had an emotional resonance and meaning and yeah. though you, the thing that I found interesting is this whole thing of the Crookshanks and Phillips missing their God, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. why have thee forsaken me? You know? Yes. And um, he, previous, and as Dr. Manhattan, being. Uh, and as Cal Hatton as well, expressing a very um, atheist view of the universe, right? That's right. When you die, you die. There's nothing, like you said to the kids at breakfast. Uh, uh-huh. But still, but he, he created this world. <laughs> yeah, but he still used that story, that framework, right? To create. And he looked at him as God, and he acted like God. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Does it say something about the institutions we create? And is that, in a sense, a type of nostalgia, right? Like, Ooh. why is he repeating that? How did that yeah. work out the first way? Not great. 
Like right. Adam and Eve didn't, you know, the story is that Adam and Eve lived happily ever after. It's no, they got a damn apple and the snake and all that shit. And they, they don't want to eat of the fruit of wisdom and of knowledge, you know? That's right. So he basically ends up recreating the story that he rejects. And I think it says something very deep about the human condition our reliance on archetypes, stories, mythology. Um, and did he really create, he may have created something beautiful, but how new, what, what did he do that was, he didn't really put much thought into it. You know, he yeah. just kind of copied a nice story that he read. It's, well, he did change it. He said that he he made it so people live for to serve other each other instead of, but he really meant serve him, right? Yeah, that's what <laughs> I mean. Like everything, yeah. it didn't really. It is that classic story, you know. And I think that, um, I guess when you look at the Bible, if I have it right, I'm not an expert. I did grow up a Catholic. And I went to Catholic school, but I believe the Old Testament previous to that um, and, and as a part of it is the idea that God created the world and then he just left it alone for a really long time. And he only mm -hmm. came back when like people were in trouble. And that's why like Jesus came back and then um, for Islam – because it's all people of the book. He came back again through the, uh, uh, through the angel Gabriel, right. Who came yeah. to Muhammad. And then that was like the second intervention, you know? And I believe that the Mormons believe in, in the third intervention. Um, because don't they believe that Jesus came to America Maybe I'll mix anyone. I don't mean to offend. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know anything about I'm that. I'm just talking of the stories I know, but I believe that that's kind of the lineage of these stories, right? Okay. And it's interesting the kind of story that he chooses to follow and then inadvertently recreate, like he sets out to do something different, but inadvertently he recreates it because then when Vite comes, they want him to be the God, but he out, he just says, no, you don't understand. I'm a God of another planet. Yep. I'm not the God here. I am a God though. You're right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Did you get that 9 million children that yeah. he was talking about? That was a random number. Like what? I think he said million? 8 million. Yeah. Or eight, eight or nine. Yeah. Oh, no, billion. He's talking about the whole world. Did he say billion? Yes. I thought he said million. He okay, said billion makes sense. Okay, I was like, million? That doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah, okay. man, he was talking about the whole world yeah, that makes his sense. children, okay. right? And I think that's the point, is he sees himself as the reason why he agreed to that deal that they made, right? I'll give you plan A, and mm -hmm. you give me Europa, is because he Vite felt as though he was a God rejected by the world. I saved well, all of I, you, you know, I don't think that was a deal. Actually. I think it was just Dr. Manhattan did it freely. I think he had already given it to him. Well, I just or call it, about, it a deal to, because they're yeah. like two guys in power, you know, yeah. they're just kind okay. of like, 
which made me, which was, I think you should feel uncomfortable by as well that they're wheeling and they're like in some Antarctic mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. hideaway deciding the fate of humanity uh, in a new world just that, yeah, I feel like going there. And then that's, and also that's John's uh, solution. I can't take everybody loving me here. So I'm going to throw you the guy that killed 3 million people. Cause he felt like he's, he can decide everything. Take a little break to tell you about our presenting sponsor, cufflinks.com. And December 9th through the 20th, use code Skywalker to save 20% off Star Wars. That's right, baby. Use code Skywalker, just like Luke, and save 20% off. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. You know, I was just looking over at Cufflinks. I was saying, man, you know, I'm going to be giving away some great prizes to all the people that emailed. And if we hit our goal of 50 reviews and 30 patrons, either goal, I'm throwing in another one and I'm going to get two winners and they're going to be able to pick from a variety of awesome stuff from cufflinks.com, Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, They've got it all. Plus, if you just want to look good, you don't have to geek out. You can just look good. Go over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore Adopt. You can also email them at andrewandclaireadopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at andrewandclaireadopt at gmail.com. Thanks. I think Dr. Manhattan did kind of set up a situation for the uh, Utopia Europa um, to for the people to kind of leave the Garden of Eden, and maybe that was sending Adrian White there. Maybe that's not only was mm. it for him, but yeah. it was for them because you know, toward, especially toward the end of the episode when you see the game board and him in the cell. Oh, I like, like it. They, okay, Aaron, they come to an understanding yeah. of what's going on, like loneliness and he said you have no idea what it's like to be alone and instead of what do you know basically and i think it's almost like he's throughout the episodes that we've seen with adrian we see i think different moment points of consciousness with these beings uh, i don't want to call them clones anymore because they're not but these um you know like there's different points where they become a little bit more intelligent and they understand more about what's going on um, and I feel like in the game morning kind of uh, accentuates that even more. My question is, and I have, you know, maybe you've seen this stuff on the internet or heard stuff, but I know that the game warden is like the first version, but who is he? Who, I mean, he's got a mask on, you know what I mean? Like he no, obviously is somebody. What, no, he's the, he's Mr. Phillips, the guy who saved 
him. He's Mr. the same Phillips? guy. He's the same guy who saved that was whose castle he went to when he was a kid. You're talking about, you mean it's the same dude? No, it doesn't look like him. Yeah. Oh, you don't think yeah, it is. It's the same guy. Mm-hmm. It's the same actor. Really? Yeah, just with a mustache. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that, man. It looks like I don't know. I don't want to see the mask off. All right, we but, all okay. have our I'll things that we believe, but it is the same act. I believe his name is okay. Tom Min- Minson or Mison. Okay. But right, yeah, that's the same that up, guy. Please. It's just a Phillips okay. with a mustache and a mask. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So it's but, um, also wonder, like, why is he still alive? But go ahead. I was just going to say I like what you were saying about where I was kind of running down the whole history of religion and you're just like, well, you know, Dr. Manhattan can see this. He sent Vite there for a reason. Maybe that you're right. He realized that similar to how um, Lady True talked about how people tend to ruminate on negative thoughts over and over again, because they find comfort in that instead of the awakening of freedom. Um, also, in the same respect, did Dr. Manhattan realize that the only way for his children, these people, to be free was to have, was for them to reject their God, for them to reject Vite? To find real, to see really what hum, like a bad person is. <laughs> yes. I mean? like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like, like, yeah, it's kind of. I like. He's that. a catalyst. He's like yeah. the catalyst. Yeah, uh, I love that, Aaron. Transformation. You're, I think yeah. that's great, and that kind of completes the cycle, right? Man invents, man destroys God, man is God. Mm-hmm. We all sit on the couch and watch. Uh, television. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and look at our so, phones. <laughs> yeah. So based on um, also at the end uh, where you know where they're smashing tomatoes on his face, saying uh, say you don't want to leave. How do, I don't know how they exactly said it, but um, didn't want him. They they wanted him to say he wanted to stay. Um, so I think that Lady True sent a ship. They're very aware that it's on its way, and they are going to let him leave. Um. Or and that and that or at least the game warden will and maybe it was at that moment that he's like I I got to get rid of this motherfucker I think I that's what, dude when in the last episode when Crookshanks like winked at him I think she yeah. was the original and then Phila and they're like they are you know it's like Adam and Eve they want to bite that apple they want to find their own way and they want I think they want him out of there. You know, and I think that he was that last scene, he was, he wasn't like, you're my God. Why do you reject that? You know, he was like, I've been here the longest motherfucker. Like Uh I've seen, I know who the creator is. You're not the creator. We tried it out though, but now we understand. And I think you're right. I think they want him out and I want a mini series just with these two. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Interesting. You know, but uh, what I find interesting too is what created the idea of the game warden. You see, was mm-hmm. that something that Dr. Manhattan created? 
Did the game warden himself create it? Is he self-appointed? Did Vite create that? How did that system develop? Because past, yeah. past, why wasn't he allowed to do what he was doing? Yes, he was a, that that's what I want to know. That rule. Yeah, who set I, that rule? Yeah, I want to yeah. know that rule because that shows a uh, a system that shows a society that these C and P's, Crookshanks and Phillips, we'll call them CPs, uh-huh. have developed, and is the game warden now the new? God or new head of it, or does he have another, are they going to kind of, my guess would be, we only got one episode. We all think he's getting out. You know, he starts hitting, hitting the wall, I guess it is with the, uh, trying to get out. And it looks like he has that trunk so he can hide where he's gonna do it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, what happens to them? I think probably we'll just, They'll like wave and then they'll just turn to each other and walk away. And they'll just like, that's going to be the end of them. I don't think we're going to get to see much about them, but I think overall thematically, definitely earlier in the season, I was kind of thinking like, what does this really mean? About And now it has total resonance. We've just spent the last half of the podcast talking about it. Yeah, it's true. It really it's connects. So I love it. Yeah. It's yeah. not just a I mean, bunch of wily coyote, stupid shit. It really has resonance, and I think when we go back and do a full rewatch, we'll see it even more. I can't wait for that. Yeah, and just humanity, like it just mirrors some things, and it's just like it just makes you think about stuff in a different way, and it just makes you think. Period about the stuff, which you know, just what other TV show again? I mean, I don't mean to like keep banging the same drum that I've been saying since before the show started. Damon Lindelof, man, wow, rocket baby. I know. Okay. So uh, let's get back into Dr. Manhattan a little bit. Did you want to add anything else to that? Um, no. Uh, I mean, I, I, I could, we could definitely, do you want to talk about like what he was doing all that? We, you know, we, we cut, you had good, a good thing in the notes here. Kind of, he spent all the time on your, on Europa. He came back to earth. What do you think about, his encounter with Angela, I asked Daniel this, I know it's a hard question to answer, but Mm. I kind of feel like, um, you know, he walked into the bar to find her. Okay. So last, if you remember the last show, I said that there was something about her sadness before this episode happened. I said, there's something about her sadness um, something about who she is, maybe the pain he inflicted upon her, you know, indirectly. Um, and that's the result of him finding her. So I found like two things. I found not only did he want to find Angela or find someone to connect with, there's not really, there's got to be the feeling that I want to connect with somebody before you connect with Angela. You know what I mean? There has to be that motivation. There also has to be the motivation where he's leaving. He wants to leave his utopia to go connect with somebody. So I don't find that I don't think it's just a straight line from oh I'm in Utopia and then I need to find Angela right this second you know what I mean like there was yeah. it's a chain of events regardless of how he perceives time um, those still things still had to exist before he got to that point but yeah he walks into the bar he's you know and it's like fate right sometimes you just feel like you're fated to meet certain people like you did 
you know, with uh, your wife or yeah, but it's Hooded or... Justice's granddaughter. That's my point. True. True. You know so he I mean? says, yeah. So it is very weird in the sense that, yeah, that there is that link and that could be just random, but it's not like, is he able to read minds? I don't remember that ever being, unless Damon is just changing his character. I don't remember him ever reading minds. To me, it was the way he described it was he was re- he read the feeling. He sensed it. Yeah, but Angela he's also was- able to be simultaneously in a million places. So that's why I always question this idea that he has to experience something. It has to be within his time is because that is, there is no limits. So that would make it limitless. He could know everything because he can be everywhere at the same time. Well, can he? Is there a limit to the number of, no, I mean, he, he was talking so, to Angela and Will at the same time, 10 years. He can, you know what I mean? Well, like, he can well, be in, there's not one, his consciousness does not have to inhabit one physical space. Well, can he focus on every, can he be everywhere at once? That's Is that what the, you're saying? That? I mean, that's the rules that they know. don't tell you. And that's part yeah. of the comic book world that I accept as well. Um, I've listened to so many Watchmen podcasts and read yeah. so many blogs and, and entries and everybody thinks they know what he can do. And sure. that's obviously purposeful that Moore did that on purpose because instead of like Superman where it was like he can shoot lasers out of his eyes, he's faster than a speeding bullet, right? Like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Flying space. Right. Dr. Manhattan's powers are almost – they're limitless because – some of them are yet to be discovered, even though he always had them mm-hmm. and has always exhibited. Right, so I I don't know. I tend, but to he think- may he may have limitations though. That <laughs> yeah, we just don't we don't know. We don't, we don't know. know for sure. We don't know. We don't. That's know. why for me, and that's why this is like the Penny Desmond shit. And uh-huh. it's just brilliantly beautiful because like you said, when he says to her, this is that moment. And she's like, what moment? He's like, when I fell in love with you. And she says, really romantic after 10 years. Now is uh-huh. when you fell yep. that was beautiful. You understand that. I understand that when I, uh, when I look at my wife, I think of our love as like, I think that's what people mean when they say love is eternal. Mm-hmm. Right. And for geeks like us, this is a representation, almost scientific in a sense, representation of that, which is that sometimes you feel that way, you know, that you've always known that person. And then other times you can look at someone and say, I have never known you at all. Yeah. And I always knew that. Yeah. I guess I always knew that's how, people, <laughs> that's how people are. So it made sense to me. I thought it was beautiful. And yeah, you were right about, I do think that the pain, I do think it's like the way I would describe it is like gravity, right? Like how, how uh, on like PBS show, they'll explain, like if you took a blanket and you laid the sun on it, it creates an indentation. And then the earth is pulled towards that, Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like they, that's kind of what, that is the magic something 
that isn't kind of being talked about with Dr. Manhattan, the thing that we say, what are the rules? What is this? Well, who creates them? What is the universe? What is God, right? That law of attraction kind of, but I see it more as like the gravity that two bodies, celestial bodies have. And those celestial bodies in this case are not like the sun and the earth. It's Dr. Manhattan and Angela. And they kind of come into each other's orbit and gravitate to each other. And I I find that to be really beautiful. I I hope that Angela eats a part of him and then she becomes like him. And then let's get to it. Let's get to, let's just get to it. I was (laughs) going to start the podcast with this, but the question of the day is who ate Dr. Manhattan or who will eat Dr. Manhattan? Because just like when Vite says in a, a moment of, um, self-protection you'll pop out in which he, we find out that he did on the white night. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they, Dr. Manhattan lays out, yes, I could take my essence and put it in something, even something someone could imbibe it or eat it. And my powers would pass to them. He explains the whole freaking thing. You know, it's going to happen. It's right there. Of course it's going to happen. And then of he goes course. and makes and it's going to be an egg. Yeah. Egg, how many egg? There's a great article um, that was, uh, I don't remember now. I sent it to, I could look at my phone while we're live, but I sent it to Aaron and Roberto. Um, and it, it kind of, it goes over all the egg stuff. And, Easter eggs. But it goes over all that stuff. Uh, oh, it was on a Punjabi. It's called Damon Lindelof's Watchman has been an elaborate chicken and egg joke the whole goddamn time. And basically, it is pointing towards, they in the article think that it's Will, that Will, he that Dr. Manhattan has maybe already gave Will his powers 10 years ago. Oh. And that's a little bit of what the article said, if I remember, or maybe I'm... I'm adding that to cool. it as I tend to do sometimes. I like that theory. Um, because Will reached in and grabbed the egg out of the boiling water, you know, like oh, this kind of stuff. Oh, right? yeah. Now it's coming back to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. But then again, there's been I hints. I'm Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, yeah exactly. He is. I'm Dr. Manhattan. I he's, like it. And like, yeah. And he's, they, I mean, they've he, always he's told us the, the truth. truth. Okay. Oh, jinx. Okay. Now I've changed my mind a bit. But. <laughs> but. but why is he focused so much on Angela? Well, it could be more than one person. Not yeah, only that, be. but they've been a lot of people were saying that if you look on our logo, which is Angela's face, Regina King, in with blue reflecting against it, or That's is it blue not. coming out of her? Mm-hmm. Are they giving us a hint there? Is she Doctor? I think Manhattan? it's her. I think it's her. It's How about be. this he wouldn't one? Give us- yeah. What were the kids eating when he gave them and told them the whole conversation about living and dying? Waffles. Interesting. Okay. Did he mm-hmm. is remember we saw Topher creating using the uh kind of neo Legos that I guess were a Vite Manhattan toy. And yeah, they really they who did that on remind that, you of? Yeah. Dr. Manhattan. Did he give it to the kids? Did he make everybody Dr. Manhattan? Did he put it in the water? Like sometimes 
I'm starting to think crazy thoughts that sometimes I do all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking like, is Dr. Is if Dr. Manhattan went to will and will went to true uh, is Dr. Manhattan really the originator of the plan? That's why I mean, that's what I think. So is what in, in what, how does Vite figure into that? Is it all of them against the seventh cavalry? No, because I, for a second, I thought maybe true's a little bit on their side using them like the puppet. Maybe Vite mm-hmm. is actually the, the symbol, the eye, but I'm starting to think it's like a total superhero team up against the bad racists, which I like. Yeah. I'm okay yeah, with me that. Too. Me too. Um, so could it be Angela will, Topher, or could it be that that's what the Millennium Clock is? That yeah, we're, everybody yeah. becomes Doctor Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. How do you do a second season of that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. You, obviously, the whole world changes at that point, right? I mean, that, I don't know, I mean, man. If every being, if everybody was Doctor Manhattan, then humanity would cease to exist. That, well, guess what? It exists on Europa. Well, they started again. That's not humanity. That's something different. I don't see. This is where I disagree. I'm always the person who says if a a clone genetically engineered, that's a person. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they're different than we are. They're they're from a different planet. Okay. First of all. Okay. But secondly, they could be made in our likeness, but they're still, their purpose is different. So. You don't their think consciousness that they're hu- and how they? No, I'm just saying it'd be like a different. Yeah, I guess they could probably procreate with. They're human beings. Know, he just. He, I mean, they're yeah, the but same. a different form. I, um, I don't know. I just feel. Like I think you're form. being prejudiced. No, they're genetically different. They are. They've been All programmed. Right. Well, if you met a Neanderthal, would you just kill it, or would you say no? It's still a. It's a. It's not. It's a. I wouldn't kill anything. What are you talking about? I don't family. kill things, man. That's you. <laughs> I don't kill. I don't kill animals. I'm a vegetarian. That's baby. right. You are a vegetarian. That's true. I am not a vegetarian. Um, yeah. I, but I don't personally kill animals. I don't even like killing no, a spider. I hope not. But I do eat them. I'll admit it. I do eat them. Yep. I've often thought that I should hunt an animal if I eat one, but then I don't think I could do it. I really don't think I could do it. At this point, you know. Oh, man. I saw my my dog kill a cat, and it just forever changed me. Hey, all right. I have four cats. Oh, I know. You're a cat man. You're the old cat lady. Old cat man. Um, Where were we? What were we talking about? Okay. We're talking about who ate Dr. Manhattan. Who ate Dr. Manhattan? It's going to happen. It has to. It I. I think it's a good bet that Will, I think it's a good bet Angela. Will was sent away with the kids, too. So, I don't know. Like, if he's just sitting in the theater with the kids, it's almost like they're going to sit this one out. Maybe everybody in Tulsa is going to die. Maybe. Maybe this is going to be New York. I mean, look, let's not forget, we're coming to the end of this season perhaps damon's mm-hmm. version of the series if this becomes yep. an anthology and we're fine with him doing whatever the hell he wants more power to you damon um and the comic book did not end well <laughs> okay let's yeah. remember that the way the comic ends is what we saw in what episode five or six 
the squid exploding and psychic trauma and everybody, 3 million people dying. Well, uh, I think this is the re- where the remixing is going to be different because that's not how Damon works. I don't know, man. I don't, you know, you're right. He does hope and love is where he lives. There may be a lot of tragedy, but I think there'll be a little bit of, there'll be a glimmer of hope somewhere. I can't, you know what, Ahas, if you had to pin me to it, I would think that it ends in wonder, maybe not happiness or joy or, um, maybe not even particularly in a loving way, but I think uh, with a sense of wonder and that something was created because so much of this episode too was create something beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know? So if, if he's got a master plan, Dr. Manhattan, and it includes allowing himself to die, which it looks like is a part of it because he's I don't sacrificing think he's, himself. Yeah, I don't think he's dead yet, but I think he's going to be dead because I'm going with, I'm trying to listen to what everything they've told us. And just like you said, now I'm convinced that will is Dr. Manhattan. Cause he told us he was, that doesn't mean it can't be reborn. I mean, there is that possibility. Maybe he instant, maybe, I mean, dude, in the moment that, Angela looked up and we saw the uh, the extra Calvary guy pop up behind him, which was uh-huh. also so comic book and I loved it. He yep. could have went a million different places. Yep. He liked the way the events went, right? Yeah. That's what I think. He wanted the events to happen the way that they did, regardless of he I, I think we can probably say he's dead. He's gonna die, but he may be reborn or um he will not win, but what he wanted to happen will will be better than if he had stayed uh, been alive. I um, think it, I think there's more purpose to it than just um, you know saving Angela. I think it's more it's it's an overall thing. He loves Angela, and therefore he probably loves the human race. And so you know I'm just transferring you know there. But I, I will say this: I don't want to think too much about it. I kind of just wanted it to happen. Yeah, I know, baby. I know, I know. We could go on for the next hour guessing. But walking but- on water, we'll have a uh, a role to play there. Maybe that's how she figures out if she's actually under the influence of Doctor Manhattan, right? Uh, maybe she. Maybe we're going to get a scene where Angela's running, and then all of a sudden she looks uh-huh. down and realizes she's standing on water, and that she has this power. Yep. And, yeah, and then and it, it hits and hits her because it was like. Walking on water, the water made the waffles, right? Like, uh-huh. yep. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? There's a like a thing. Thinking about Dr. Manhattan drinking, like when they focus on, you know, when they're in the he uh, bar. He the egg? Uh, yeah, they just focus on it going down his throat. Yeah. It was like so clear. Maybe she, um, what, did you say it or did I, DJ Tim Hunt, I was talking to somebody about this show and said, the first scene of next episode is she runs inside and just eats everything in the kitchen. <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe that was it. Like that's the next uh-huh. next week yep. on. I didn't watch the preview. Um, I'm waiting again. See, all the eggs waiting. are smashed though, so I bet there's going to be an egg that's just like laid out there for her. Oh, you know what it, I mean? Yeah. She's going to just notice it when yep. she goes back to the house. It's just sitting on the table, and she yeah. would do it too. Uh huh. You know that it would yep. take her about a second to look at it, and she'd go crack uh-huh. and eat it. Yep, that's right. Um, what did you think about? Because you had in the notes, I thought it was interesting. When um, Dr. Manhattan, well, Cal Hatton appears to Vite 
And he says, interesting look, John. You know, appropriation is not so popular these days. It's 2009. (laughs) What did you think about the way that they shot this, not showing his face, his voice and everything? I read an article that Nicole Castle, they had shot, they had tried a lot of different things. And in the end, they just ended up using the hands and the um, neck and the collar shot. Uh-huh. It just worked. And the way that the hands thing worked, as a director and a cameraman, I can tell you this, and you know me if anybody's listened to me on podcasts before, I absolutely go nuts when people talk about how everything's planned or they complain about a cup in a game of Thrones. Cause you just have no mm-hmm. idea how difficult it is to make television and film. And also how much of it is improvised and how yeah. much of being a great director, uh, being a great camera person, DP, whatever actor is allowing for that yeah. is about allowing a space for discovery and creativity on the set. And it was the actor's use of his hands, he decided that, that they started to shoot them and then that became the whole scene. So really the person you have to thank for that is the actor and then a great director, camera person, DP, people, whoever was involved choosing that shot um, in creating those little moments. But overall, how did you feel about the way they handled that? Um, I thought it was very tasteful. Um, the fact that Adrian even mentioned it is, you know, is uh, kind of, you know, opening it up for discussion and saying that, you know, it's not, we acknowledge that this is probably not the time to be like this. Um, he says it's what, not, not 1985 anymore, um, where it's almost like you're taking on blackface almost, you know, I guess it can be, you know, kind of compared to that. Um, but, I think uh, the the fact that, you know, it's Angela, you know, like if we're going to look at the whole thing, Angela is the one that chooses it for him, right? So he didn't choose it. He, Angela chose it for him. And so I don't have it. I'm not an issue with that at all. He was like, oh, you're black, so I'm going to be like this. No, he left it, he left it in her hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that, you know, um, I, I like you said, I applauded how – the, you know, like in terms of like taking risks, risks, and I want to bring back the theme of the show where Angela and Dr. Manhattan talk about ri- taking risks. Um, you know, Damon Lindelof and Nicole Cassell took a big risk. You know, I mean, it's very likened to that. It's uh, it's interesting how that all relates, right? Um, but he he also, I think that John, not only is there a cultural thing there with the black white thing and how it relates to our current timeline in America and brings that to a head, but also he is a blue man or he is non-human anymore. And he's taking the skin of a human. And that's also the same thing, isn't yeah, it? Like if you look at it. That's a point, dude. That's a great. And that's his, his struggle is one of assimilation, yeah. right? He is in the same respect of, you have the ultimate immigrant story, Superman, right? He is, in a sense, um, that way too. He's not human any longer, but he is kind of human. Um, yeah. It actually it makes me think of uh, we had a great, I believe it was Misha who wrote into us 
and she was talking about how um, Hooded Justice will putting the white face on is kind of a way of passing, right? And it mm-hmm. brings up ideas of that too and the struggle that people have uh, – People who were like Roberto brought it up. He said, you know, that he was a a a, a, a blonde haired, blue eyed Puerto Rican that most people assume that he's a white guy. Caucasian and he's gonna now. yeah, that he's Caucasian and that, that people are gonna agree with uh whatever they have, you know, he was whatever in the respect he was saying it was different. But in the same respect here, you have a guy who is trying who, but it's different too, because like he was that and then he stopped being that and he wants it's, he has a nostalgia for being human. It does. And he keeps on interfering with humanity because not because he wants to be their God, but because they are his God. He wants more than anything to be human again. Yeah, he wants a feeling and the connection. And, it's just uh, an inter- it just makes you think. I don't know what the whole. I don't know what what connection I ended up making, but it just made me think. I I thought it was very. Um, I like the word you used that it was tasteful, and they did take a chance, right? Um, mm-hmm. Especially at the end when Angela makes reference to it and says, "What's with your face?" Right, like yeah. you still look like Cal. And then he maintains that even when his awareness returns, he doesn't yeah, I really like that moment. Yeah, yeah. He still maintains being Cal. And I think that that's a signal of, you know, acceptance, right? That's right. And, um, attachment through non-attachment. Uh, he, he is that now that's a part of his experience. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, man, it's just this is uh, I found that all was done. <laughs> um, great episode, man. Yeah, great yeah. episode. Do you have anything else you want to say? Um, no, I think we we touched on mm-hmm. uh, pretty much the main points. You you, you uh, already hit a lot of that stuff and the other stuff that we haven't discussed in the initial reaction. Um, yeah, I think we pretty much hit on everything here. Uh, I just want to see. I just can't wait for it to happen. I'm going to try to block, block it out. I mean, I'll listen to yours and Roberto's podcast later. But um, other than that, I'm blocking this out. I'm not, I'm not doing any research. I'm not looking on the internet. I don't want to know anything. I just want it to happen. <laughs> right? Do you know if this episode is like, going to be normal length? Do you, do you have I have idea? no idea. I have okay. no idea. Um, I hope it's longer. I mean – I got one more question for you because I did, you know, as we were talking, I'm always looking through your amazing notes and thank you throughout the entire season for your notes, Aaron. They've been fantastic, brother. Uh, Oh, Um, no, that's nothing. Well, they're really great. And you do, I do want to ask one thing we didn't talk about, which I did want to ask you is we didn't really talk about, we found out the episode before that Keen wants to, you know, teleport dematerialize but then he wants to become dr manhattan so has he figured out was he it's like did he listen to that how does he know he can do that too yeah it's very interesting i don't know maybe it's somebody one of the scientists or a scientist that are telling him they can do the that he can do this but it's 
Yeah, I mean, it's possible. That's, I don't know the with technology, and I don't know. I, there's a, I don't there's have any something in- missing, and maybe yeah. look, man, this could be like me having some crazy Dharma ideas and lost, and Damon just opens your mind. But I've got to think that we're missing some connection. They know so mm-hmm. much information. They're right yeah. out in front of the house, right? I I just. How do they know how to do all this? How do they know? Are th- that's why it's like, is Vite with true or that? I don't know, man. And how is he going to become Doctor Manhattan? I want to see the. I want to see the. Is it that box they showed us? That's where I think we're going to see him. Yeah, I think they're going to. I yeah. think they're trying to capture him in that. You know. Yeah. Yep. I agree. But I, agree. I, I don't know, man. All right, we could go on and on. But anyway, thank you, Aaron. Uh, any final Thank words? Thank you, Axel. Um, no, I'm just, uh, it's been so much fun to do this uh, podcast with you, and I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing the next episode first before just jumping to our next podcast. But I, I look forward to closing it out with you and Roberto. Yeah, that's going to be fun. So, yeah, next week I'm going to do the show with Roberto. That's going to be, we're going to release that on Friday. Then on Sunday night, I have signed up someone for the initial reaction and it is gina the host of nice resisting gilead a great handmaid's tale pod a longtime patron and listener here um she has joined me on a couple other pods too and i've been a guest on resisting gilead and uh actually we're gonna do we have planned a watchman handmaid tale podcast where we talk about how each show deals with social and cultural ideas. And it's so interesting because on Handmaid's Tale, you have like far right and on uh, Watchmen, you kind of have far left government, right? Yeah. It's interesting. You see the way people react. Yeah. That's going to be a great podcast. So Gina is going to be joining me. I'm really looking forward to having her go out and subscribe to resisting Gilead right now. And then I'll be back with Roberto and Aaron uh, on Wednesday. That'll be probably a supersized pod. We'll talk about the finale. We'll knock it out. And then on Thursday, I am going to be doing one more feedback pod. So if you have feedback for the finale, please do send it in. Final thoughts, ideas, ideas for a second season. And Michael Aaron from the What Up Do pod is going to come on and he's going to come on and talk about your feedback as well as his ideas on the season as well. And uh, that'll probably do it for Watchmen. And if I come up with anything else, I'll tell you if there's a season two, we'll definitely be back. Um, but it's been a great season. Thanks again, everyone for the iTunes reviews. Thanks to our patrons. Thank you to Aaron, Roberto, all of our great guests we've had on, uh, Dan, you were fantastic on the, uh, initial reaction. We had a lot of fun. Go subscribe to tower of Babel until next time. Peace out. Peace.
All right, that was great, man. Yeah, it was fun. Easy peasy, baby. Yep, just one more. Easy peasy. One more. And squeezy. Yeah, I can't believe it's all going to be done in one episode, too. 